In this 50th anniversary year of the creation of Buffalo River National Park, we've been celebrating, as we should, the natural phenomenon this piece of the Arkansas Ozarks is, a kaleidoscope of river, mountain, forest, wildlife, and history. But as visitors, we sometimes take for granted the people who make our visit possible. The food at our favorite restaurants doesn't magically appear, and performers at concerts don't take the stage without scores of scarcely recognized supporters. It's the same on the Buffalo National River. Being our Chief of Interpretive Services, Cassie Brandstetter. It's a big piece of public land, over 98,000 acres, 135 miles of river. And the National Park Service was brought on to manage the public land. And so we do have management areas in the river, if you will, those districts, as we call them, the upper district, that Boxley Valley area, the headwaters of the river coming down as it runs from west to east, the middle district of the area, the middle one-third of the river, and the lower one-third of the river, the lower district, all the way down to where the river dumps out into the White River. There are so many different types of employees who make the management of this public land possible. If you think of almost how a county or a town is managed, how you need someone to do every little piece of managing that land, that's what we have for a piece of public land like our Buffalo National River here. Even before BNR management was officially in place, an Arkansas State Park had been operating. People had already been visiting to float and fish and camp, but rapidly rising numbers were expected, and they came. Zed Davenport was among the early National Park employees who helped prepare for such new realities. An area schoolteacher, his work at the park came in summers, leading Teenage Youth Conservation Corps members. Early decisions included what historical features should be kept and what should be removed. Stone fences built by early settlers, for example, would remain, but... Barbed wire fencing, web wire fencing, and so on like that was, uh, was to be removed. And so the YCC program, Youth Conservation Corps, 14 to 18-year-old kids, first job ever, they would, would go in and we'd tear down those fences and, and uh, remove them. With dramatic increases in visitation, many of the most, we might say, practical issues had to be considered. The supply of early portable toilets was soon overwhelmed. One of the big issues, big things we did is start to install vault toilets at all of the access points and, and the places that were popular. And those could be a little better maintained. And one of the most important things I think that, that I was involved with was restoration or preservation, I'll use another term, stabilization, of some of the structures that were left that were deemed historic. To treat those houses, the barns, the, the structures that the people used in their daily lives, and to represent a culture, a farming culture, a pioneer culture, to have that represented here today, it would be one of the most important things I think that this park could ever do. Without doubt, among the least visible, but absolutely essential BNR staffers work at park headquarters in management, planning, and public outreach roles. The ones we as visitors are most likely to see are ranger interpreters. Cassie Branstetter. Buffalo National River has some pretty awesome park rangers who work for it. And they do a wide variety of things, 
but they may do some things that you don't necessarily think of whenever you picture a park ranger out standing by the river. One of the key aspects to our positions is the education and outreach portion of what we do. We love to be on the river, to be next to the river, on the trails, not just so we can experience this beautiful outdoor setting ourselves, but so we can share it with others, share it with school groups. Anytime a teacher wants to reach out to us and have us work with their classroom, work with their school, in after-school programs, overnight stays at the park, or even just having a ranger come to the classroom to share that unique piece of ecosystem that they have in their backyard. We love to be a part of those experiences. We also put on these educational, what we call interpretive programs, where we interpret these amazing resources found in the park to the general public right next to the river, at our campgrounds, you can often find a ranger at an amphitheater in the evening, just waiting for folks to come up and ask questions, really to inspire them to not only be curious about what they saw in that visit, but to start to be curious about what they may see in the next visit and to learn to be stewards of this public land. And that's such a big portion of what we do as park rangers through our programming with the public by putting on guided hikes and tours of the historic buildings we have here. We keep this culture going in such a unique fashion. We're so excited to work with local community in order to make these programs happen and to continue to talk and tell the story of this area. All of the interpretive activity can't take place at stops along trails. In each of the park's three administrative divisions is at least one facility where visitors can gather for in-depth programming. We do these educational interpretive programs centered around three different areas. The Buffalo Point in the lower section of our river. That has one of our biggest campgrounds and a beautiful amphitheater where we meet in the summertime in the evenings. But it's also a great opportunity for us to connect with local school systems. We have a great relationship with the Yellville after-school program where our rangers connect with those children sometimes on a weekly basis in that one county that connects to the river. In the middle of the river, in the middle district as we call it, the Tyler Bend Visitor Center is a premier structure for folks to come in and get information, to be orientated during the recreational visit, but also to join us for some of those educational programs too, to take a guided hike to the Collier Homestead. We have those really great historic opportunities in the upper district of the park, that Boxley Valley historic area with those pristine pastoral locations with the historic structures there. There are some really nice historic building tours that we provide, especially in the fall of the Boxley Mill. Some educational and interpretive programming isn't funded directly out of the park's budget. The Buffalo National Rivers Partners Group is key to that. Terry Martindale, board president of the Partners. One of the major ways that we're spending our money right now 
of course, in cooperation and at the request of the park, is the effort to renovate the cemeteries that are within the park. And there are many cemeteries in the park. We uh, pay for things like plants for the native plant beds or for the Special Olympics, items that Special Olympics need when we have those fun events uh, in the park. Uh, We help with the STEM camp. We pay for the services of the North Arkansas College staff for the STEM camp, which is the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics uh, that happen within the park. We spend money on our brochures, which are educational. We put in various places along the river and in outlets and different businesses, and we we have a new brochure out. Uh, can pick those up at any campground. We'll set up booths at various festivals. We'll give money. Right now, we've we've given a donation to the Snowball Adventure Race that's in Searcy County. Snowball is renovating their very old uh, community building. used to be a school there. One other interpretive component in the Boxley Valley moves around on four feet. A reestablished herd of elk is among the most popular and most photographed features in the entire park, and they require careful attention and support. Much the same when visitors move around the park, hiking along trails, floating, fishing, or camping, we sometimes require special attention. Sometimes those things just happen. Routine first aid assistance is close by most anywhere in the park, but what about help in more serious situations? Ranger interpreter Lauren Ray. Buffalo National River has a pretty extensive search and rescue team. And what many people don't realize is that it's not just National Park Service personnel who come out there to respond to emergencies when they occur in the park. Actually, our search and rescue team is made up primarily of volunteers from the local area. Um, We've got local volunteers. We've also got several partner agencies in our community who respond to those calls when they come in. In those isolated cases, when a large team is needed... We've got volunteers from the Mennonite Disaster Service. They often bring 10 to 20 volunteers anytime we call for their help. Occasionally, we'll have the local fire departments, local police departments, sheriff's offices that will come out and uh, participate and cooperate on some of these search and rescue incidents. Arkansas Game and Fish often provides personnel to help us. Another group of people essential to developing and refining BNR's programming is, well, us, the park's visitors. Cassie Branstetter. The feedback from the community, the feedback from visitors, the feedback from anybody in the nation who has something to say about this public land is so important because that's, that's exactly what national parks are. National parks are pieces of land set aside for American citizens. And American citizens have the ability to provide their input on how they're managed, on what ways in which they want to experience, recreate, enjoy what's been set aside for them. And that's within reach almost anywhere in the park and via BNR's website and social media. Like all our national parks, Buffalo National River belongs to all of us. Ed Alexander, who is featured in another segment of our series celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Buffalo National River Park, 
says it pretty simply. By all means, go. Uh, many, many times I go down there and see license plates from everywhere. Uh, it's very popular in Texas and Oklahoma, Mississippi, Louisiana, te uh, Tennessee. Uh, go visit it. Go to the uh, National Park Service website, and they can give you great information about hiking trails, about how to float, where to put in outfitters to use, where to camp, uh, if you don't want to camp, places to stay. And it's like I said, it, it's 138 miles. It, it covers a great deal of the state, and, and they're just beautiful places along. You don't have to go on an epic hike. There are lots of great short hikes. You don't have to float the entire 138 miles. Get on an inner tube and paddle around and enjoy it. <laughs>